welcome to another episode of the Blind Shots Podcast. I'm your host, David Hill, coming to you from the 17th tee at Tobacco Road Golf Club, situated high above the 16th green with a view that will stop you cold and make you contemplate what you've just experienced. And this is episode 24. It's the fourth and final round of the Americans in Pinehurst Roundtable with our friends Matt and Fred, joined this time by our very special guest, John Mark. You may remember him from episode two for adding a little color to the discussion of how to plan a Scottish golf trip from his experiences with Prestwick and North Berwick. I'm often asked by folks that haven't made the pilgrimage to Sanford, North Carolina, what makes Tobacco Road so special? And I invariably struggle to come up with a satisfactory response. Of the myriad reasons why I feel so connected to this Mike Strand's opus of artistic expression, the infinite options of how to play each hole, the amazing setting where it appears nature has begun to reclaim an industrial desert, the incredible vertical movement of the course and the vertical hazards in the forms of both enormous dunes rising up from the sand and the vast pits of sandy waste and native vegetation areas, each of which requiring attention to execution, which is easier said than done with such eye candy about. On a piece of land with an elaborate history of commercial use from a tobacco patch to mining and sand extraction, it now looks and feels like it's a place destined for people to play golf all along, though it doesn't look like any other golf course in the world. Every shot must be carefully considered, not because the course is overly penal, quite the opposite actually, so that it's easy to fall prey to paralysis by analysis at Tobacco Road because you have so many options, because the only consistent thing on the course, other than the green speeds, is that there's no consistency, no repetition of a theme or style. There are gigantic dunesy land formations next to flat level fairways. There are massive saucer-shaped greens and thin ribbons of putting surface just a few yards wide and several yards deep, followed by greens just a few yards deep and as wide as the evening sunset. There are blind tee shots and obscured views of greens around every bend or hill. And sometimes, pardon the cliche, but it's just all right out there in front of you. Imagine an incredibly difficult Florida course with water hazards on almost every hole, shaping the fairways and dictating how you'd play to avoid the water. Ponds, pools, lakes, and streams, the works. Now imagine all of that water was golden brown sand. That's what Tobacco Road looks like. There are deep treacherous bunkers that can completely destroy scorecard and massive hard-packed sandy waste areas that, if you draw a decent lie, are as easy to play out of as firm fairway turf. You'll hear in this episode us refer to such sandy waste features, and one in particular, the talk of the Pit of Sarlacc, uh, a reference borrowed from the Star Wars series, refers to this massive scraped sand native area that occupies the direct line of play from the tee to the elevated green on the short par 5 fifth hole. It's a pit of hard-packed sandy clay with islands of native scrub brush, grasses, and weeds, because a giant, well-manicured sand bunker would just be too simple. This massive barren measures 200 yards long and 60 yards wide at its narrowest point. For the long hitter, there's a temptation to take that direct line to try to drive the green, or at least to drive it over the pit and reach the fairway collection area some 225 yards from the furthest tee box back. The safer play, of course, from the tee is to try to find the massive fairway right of the pit with a wood or a hybrid, or maybe even a long iron. Though there's plenty of trouble, real and perceived, on that shot as well. 
Plus, it creates a tougher and potentially blind angle to the green on the approach shot. The whole concept is genius, really. And that's just one hole at Tobacco Road. Perhaps more than any other feature, there is a significant risk-reward dichotomy on every tee box and on almost every shot at Tobacco Road. The late Pete Dye used to remark that once he got the golfer thinking about something, whether it was a real danger to him or only meant to bark without any bite, he owned him. And there may be no golf course anywhere where that sentiment applies more than a Tobacco Road. And in my experience, it's just as fun to talk about, almost, as it is to play. Before we get into the conversation, a reminder that the Blind Shots podcast is a member of the Talking Golf Network of shows, which you can find at TalkingGolf.com. It's the best golf podcast out there made for the serious and discerning golfers. The most recent Talking Golf History podcast episode is one that I'm incredibly jealous of. I'm upset that I didn't come up with it. Connor Lewis traveled to Pinehurst to not only check in on architect Kyle Franz and his renovation and progress at Southern Pines, a subject I've discussed a little bit back in episode 24. Well, Connor ended up having dinner, drinks, and an on-the-record conversation not only with Franz, but with the men behind the Golf Club Atlas website, the Donald Ross Society, and the Story Lounge Film Company. There's some fascinating history and storytelling in that episode, so please uh, go download it for your podcast feed and give it a listen. Reminder, you can interact with this show on Twitter at BlindShotsPod, as well as on Instagram under the Blind Shots Podcast moniker, so check those out when you have a second. Finally, a reminder that the Blind Shots Podcast is sponsored by me, David Hill. In addition to playing, talking, and writing about golf, I'm a licensed Kentucky realtor with Rector Hayden Realtors. I work with homeowners buying and selling homes and also work with investors and businesses on commercial properties here in central Kentucky. You can find my contact info at davidhill.rhr.com. Once again, the housing supply around central Kentucky is tight, just like it is probably where you live if you're not from the area. If you'd like some advice navigating these times, if you're thinking about buying or selling, buy me a virtual cup of coffee and let's talk about it. The conversation's free. And with that, back to the roundtable with our friends Fred, Matt, and John Mark. Matt, I'll start with you. What... What kind of first impression did Tobacco Road make the first time you went down there? Tobacco, the, the number one tee of Tobacco Road is very intimidating, um, you know, and it's gonna—it's a theme that runs through the whole thing, but there's a whole lot of, I guess I'm supposed to hit it over there, I hope there's some place for that ball to land, or maybe I'm hitting it off the course, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, that was kind of the very first vibe that I had, I found... I found myself the first time I played Tobacco Road. It was much better the second time. But the first time, the only other place where I have felt less like I had any idea where I was going on the earth is when we played the loop where there was no tee boxes and the course reverses. And I have no idea what hole that was over there because, you know, it's unmarked by anything. Tobacco Road is the closest I've gotten to feeling like that. That was that was the very first impression. Was it worse off the tee or on a, on a subsequent shot? I think more off the tee. Um, there's a lot, there's, there's, you know, there's a fair amount of blind shots, um, which fits right into the podcast here. Um, and it's like, like I said, it's, I just never, especially on the tee and not, not never, there's plenty of holes where you can see everything 
laid out in front of you. But there's a lot of holes where it's okay. It tells me there's a marker there that I'm supposed to hit this thing over. You know, 18 is a perfect example. I guess I'm going to hit it at that and hope that I'm looking at the right thing. Fred, I see you nodding your head along with some of that. What what was your first impression uh, or, or overriding thoughts from a loop around Tobacco Road? Um, the 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 trouble is is as plain um, it's as plain as it can be. You know, standing on the tee boxes, I think that the the trouble is um, is so upfront that that's all you look at. Um, as Matt said, after you played it the first time, you know, there's ample area to hit the ball and ample area to lay up. And, you know, greens are big, but you don't notice that the first maybe time and a half you play it. Um, all you're looking at is the, you know, the two giant mounds and that little sliver you have to hit through on the first tee, right? Um, everything is up front and in your face and it draws your attention away from the huge fairway and the huge green that you that you're being asked to hit um it's very deceptive in that way john mark what kind of first impression did it make with you yeah i mean i think it i agree with what both guys said i mean i think it just kind of hits you over the head your, your tee shots over trying to split between these two mounds and like Matt and Fred said, it's very once you play it once, you're like, okay, I get it now, right? But that first two shot, you're like, ah, I don't really know what's going on. And then you got another blind shot, and then the second hole, it's just like a giant mound right in front of you, just calling for your ball. Third hole is like a par three covered in sand, you know, surrounded by sand. Fourth hole, fifth hole, it just, it's it's very, I guess, visually intimidating the first time you play it. It is. I, I'd agree with that. You know the. They have a, a probably the fanciest. It was the first time I'd seen the really fancy flyover GPS app that you could download for your phone um, that tried to tell you or, or tried to give you some hints of where to go. The problem with that, even though it kind of had some 3D features, I don't know that there's any way to prepare for kind of the vertical hazards there, the way those dunes, those big chunks of sand are, because there's not, I mean, the course is well treed but it's not like there's a bunch of hardwoods sticking out into the fairway i mean it, it they're tree lined um but wide enough that i wouldn't remotely call it a parkland style but it's you know not having a you can see the flag maybe but you can't see the putting surface or yeah you like number two i think is a, a great example that john mark mentions that you can play yeah as it turns out it's pretty classic strategy. You can go for the shorter distance on the straighter line, or you can have a better look at the hole. You know, play away from the hole, see where you're going versus um, kind of take it right at 11T there on two and go over it. Um, you know, the, the thing that struck me, I think, the, the size of the greens and the fact that you could feed the ball to a hole or kind of be penalized and feed away from the hole if you weren't precise um, you know, seven is a is one I saw Fred's ball hang up above a giant bowl that if it would have been a foot shorter, he would have rolled down and had a, a really nice putt. But because his ball stayed up on a, a higher level, carried it just a foot or two too far, he had an impossible putt, something that I don't know if he could have kept on the green. So um, kind of the way the green, yeah, it, it didn't stay on the green, but that's, um, that may, may have been a little red ass on that one at that point. 
I just remember the size of the greens and, and individual pin positions made a a big difference there because they were so big. It, not only could it just be a different, you know, a one or two club difference on some of them, it it affected the strategy. You know, could you were you avoiding a hump or a roll on the green, or were you playing to it, hoping to get something out of it? Um, We've got a, a diversity of players here. Fred probably hitting at the, the shortest of our group and John Mark and, and Matt being kind of the bombers of the crew. John Mark, I'll let you start off with this one. Do you think at the, the distance we play is that, that you could overpower that course through the air? Just kind of take a lot of what I just said completely out of the picture? Yeah, I, I think so. You know, that was kind of as I was attempting to formulate my thoughts here on this thing. I think it's we can go through some specific holes, but a lot of the time it's like I say. So four is a good example, right? It's kind of that huge cape, I guess you call it. And you know the the guts, so quote unquote gutsy play would be to play up to the end of the fairway, and then you'd have about. 240, 250 in to carry the whole native area to go to the green into. Otherwise, you got to work your way around about 600 yards. So to answer your question, yes, I definitely can if I'm hitting the ball well. But I don't know, even for Fred, if sometimes taking those direct routes aren't better than trying to go to the three-shot route. Because, like, the four and five those non-direct routes are almost as hard as just going forward and then playing out of the native area. That, that was just kind of my experience watching you guys play. It's like they try to go around it. They end up back in it anyway. I think almost, you know, it, it seems smart to go around it, but some of those shots seem so difficult. You might as well just hit it in the native area and try to hit it again because the, the approach is a lot easier from there. I, I think five is is a really great example of that. That's a, that's a good point that I've made birdie – and par from down in that big pit of Zarlac native area versus, you know, you're playing away from the hole and then you've got a, if you come up short of that green, you're off to the races down a, a ramp. Um, you know, Matt, you're another high ball hitter. You hit it pretty far off the tee. Um, what in the way you play the course, what, what do you remember? What do you think of that style? Now I agree that I think there are certainly places where where what John Mark's saying about, especially number five is a, a perfect example of it, but there are some other spots where you can. Um, now, with our playing styles, John Mark is going to be a little bit more likely to go after that. Yeah. Um, and I'm, you know, I, I have a tendency to take a look at that, and, and the risk is a little bit more than what I'm willing to to take on. Um, and I think some of that comes to comes from my uh, lack of confidence in my short game, right? So if it's if it's if it's muscling it out there to give myself a wedge as opposed to, you know, hitting a, a five iron because I, I went away from it, I'm going to be more likely to go after that than it is muscling it up there and leaving myself 40 yards. Because from 40 yards, I'm just as likely to take five more shots to get there <laughs> as I am to get it up and down from there. Um, so I think that's where... For me, that comes into play. And there are places like, what is it, 13. Um, I'm going to hit it for that skinny spot over the over the sand, short of the trees, mm -hmm. where John Mark hit maybe the longest drive I've ever seen in my life and was through everything. Um, but I'm going to hit it up into that skinny spot because all of a sudden that green is so difficult that I don't want to have to go with, you know, 
I want to be able to control my distance coming in there. And I'm a lot more likely to do that. The reward is just so much higher if I can get to that. But on five, I've not gone after five the way that the way that you guys did. Um, just because I think like, I, you know, you're talking about getting up and down from, you know, the pit of Zarlacc or whatever. Um, I don't trust myself to do that. So in that spot, I don't, but you certainly could, if you were, you know, if I had Fred's short game, then yeah, I'd be, I'd probably be even more aggressive. Well, I, I would just want to point out, I didn't aim for that. I, I ended up there. And if I have a, the, the one time I drew a good lie in the, the hard pack down there, I was able to clip it and, and, hit a golf shot but i've also been in the middle of a pit and had to take an unplayable uh just to be able to get the, the club on the ball down there so it's not we're not talking pga tour perfect sand um down in that down on number five fred you and i play a little bit closer to the other end of the golf spectrum where we're probably not going for a lot of par fives in two um did you what were your thoughts kind of being a, a player that, again, were just shorter hitters? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with uh, John Mark's earlier, you know, comment. I feel like, you know, uh, taking the safe route and you're going, you know, we'll, we'll say the, the fairway approach, hitting away from, you know, the, the native areas or whatever, um, you can find yourself in a situation that, at least I can, that I'm hitting – you know, a five iron, you know, in where you may have, you know, as you said, you may hit it the, uh, roughly the same distance off the tee, but where you were at, you may have had an eight iron, right? There is a huge difference playing into those greens and those green complexes um, with an eight iron and a five iron. Um, yeah. I say that, in, in my opinion, that is that is a true second shot golf course. Um you can set yourself up well off the tee, but it all comes down to, you know, being on the right side of those big swales or or having a club that, you know, you can hit full into the back of one of those swales and have it come down off the green. You know, it's a lot easier. You mentioned, um, you know, my ball got caught up on, on the hill and <clears throat> I couldn't keep the ball on the green. Excuse me there. Well, that was, you know, that's one of those situations where, you know, hitting a five iron as opposed to an eight iron. You know, um, that makes that difference, right? You know, that eight iron will probably come back down that hill. Um, that first hop with a five iron is going to go forward, and am I going to catch that, you know, slope, even if you're trying to play for it? So, um, to John Mark's point, I think that, you know, the, 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 ability or or the luck or whatever you want to call it of playing from the fairway is kind of diminished in some cases depending on where you're at in that fairway opposed to drawing a good lie or you know somewhere else in one of those native areas where you have a lot smaller club in there so the overpowering going back to your original question i think that yeah a guy like john mark and and matt in some cases you know that that is a course you can still overpower but I think it goes back also to the intimidation of what you see from the tee box, and it, it kind of it forces you not to be as aggressive to get yourself into those positions. That was a lot of words, and that was that that was some good word salad you threw there. Um, you know, I just think one of the joys, one of the reasons I enjoy that course so much, is because you. 
I think every hole pretty much, maybe with the exception of number six, because that's it's a short par three that's just pin and, and tee dependent. But I, I feel like a, most of the holes give you legitimate options of two to three ways to play the hole and still have a chance to make a birdie or a par um, on the more difficult holes. And part of that is I, I feel like I can compete with Matt there. I can compete with John Mark there, even though they're going to blow me away off the tee um, because of those giant contours in the green. You know, if they go pin hunting and miss, you know, pin seeking and miss to the wrong part of the green, uh, or I can use maybe to your point, there are some greens there, Fred, that um, if I'm coming in with a five iron, you know, in, in this case, maybe a seven iron as opposed to their wedge. I can backstop or land it short and bounce on to some of those big spaces and, and maybe not be as close as them, but maybe still have a birdie putt or have a, a, a an easy chip, um, even if I'm not able to make the putting surface. Either, for whatever reason, the way my brain works, it's more fun to watch the ball bound along the ground and roll up close than maybe stick one close. And for a lot of those greens, you can't see necessarily where the flag is depth perception-wise anyway. Um, so that's just a, a feature that that I enjoy. Matt, John, Mark, if that's is that something is that the way your brain works, or is it just stick it out there, hit it as high as you can, and try to stick it close to the flag? Um, just play to a number. Yeah, I, I was going to say the funny thing is I think those greens are pretty flat, except the ones that have the wild undulations, right? Like seven and eight obviously have big tiers to them and the ones you have big tiers i think you're right it's it's really because you can see those too i think that's one of the nice things is you can actually generally see where the pin is on both of those holes because you're you're above it when you're hitting the ball i, I think to those i'm probably playing to the fat part of the tier or trying to uh, to the to the rest of them that are pretty flat i'm just going to go right after it i don't really uh it's kind of hard to judge the bounce down there. I feel like sometimes you get a soft bounce, sometimes you get a hard bounce. So yeah, I'm pretty much the greens are a lot more consistent to me. So I'm I'm going to go high and right at it, except for those occasions where there's really big tiers where you need to not get in your position that you're talking about. Fred was in. <laughs> gotcha, um, Matt. What about you? All right, roll it, roll it across those surfaces, or are you trying to to stick one when you just look at those challenges? Probably more of the latter. Um, and part of that, again, comes down to, you know, I'm a little bit less accurate with my irons than some of you guys are. Um, so it's one of those, you know, I, I would love to say that I'm, I'm aiming for the middle of a particular tier. Um, and I might be theoretically doing that, but it's really much more about, for me, just trying to put a good, a good swing on it, make decent contact and, you know, hope that, my uh i miss it on the correct side of where i'm aiming um but i would say yeah it's i i it's a little bit more where's the flag all right i'm gonna go at it because i'm probably gonna miss a little bit and you know i might miss on the right side i might miss on the wrong side aim small miss small um fred did did you feel overpowered by that course? Because on the scorecard, it's not a terribly long golf course. It rates plenty difficult because for other reasons, um, but it is not a stretched out, super long golf course. Is that a factor in your enjoyment or, or the way you receive Tobacco Road? 
Um, no, I didn't feel like it was it was overpowering uh, me anyway. I mean, we've talked multiple times where you know there's multiple courses that we played where I've hit my you know my seven wood more than I hit my you know my my pitching wedge. Um, but that course doesn't doesn't jump out to me that it's too long for me to play, right? Not it's not too long for me to enjoy. There's a good mix there where you know those par fives are three shot holes for me, and I'm okay with that. You know, um, it, it's getting down to, the, to those that third shot probably is you know hopefully an eight iron a nine iron or something like that you know where it should be. Um, and there's a good mix of holes on the back nine that are pretty short. You know, I mean, um, I forget the one that goes, you know, straight up the hill. What is that, like 15 or 16, maybe 15 with the really, 16. yeah, the really 16 with screen. the blind tee. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm hitting driver there, but most of you guys are not, you know, and we're all in the same spot. So, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't bother me. There's not many holes where there's not many par fours there that, you know, I'm standing back there thinking, yeah, I'm going to have a driver three wood into this undulated green that I can't hold. Right. That's not the case there. Are there, I'll throw this to John Mark first. Are there any par fives that on with your average good drive, you're not going for? That are three that are true three shot holes to you. Thirteen is the one I think of the most with this question, just because of the craziness of that that punch bowl on you know punch, salad bowl green. Yeah, I think obviously let's, let's try to remember four definitely. I mean that's almost a four and a half if you play it. Yeah, directly. one. Yeah, one four. 11 one i would one i would go for but it's pretty long in the grand scheme of things and you kind of have to bail out left because there's that second bunker over the on the approach that you really can't see but i mean it, it's still driver three wood or driver hybrid for me yeah once you get to the back uh 11 i i, I i've never i haven't played it well yet uh, so the last time I tried hybrid layup and then of course I hit it back in the pit of Zarlac on my third shot but I think if, to do it again I would definitely either go for it or I might just lay up in the middle of that native area and try to hit my third shot from there because honestly it's it's very hard to to hit the second shot because it's kind of, you're just at such a weird angle and then the third shot you're also hitting back over that native area so yeah, I think that one I would definitely go for, or maybe lay up just dead in the middle of the pit of Zarlacc. Um, Fifteen was it? Fourteen is the other one. Thirteen or, or thirteen? Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's thirteen. Uh, yeah, it's thirteen. So that was the one Matt said that I hit. Uh, I thought I hit a good shot and I hit it in the woods because uh, I had my distances wrong. We did figure out that you could actually cut that corner if you hit a good drive. So if I, but it takes two really good shots, right? I would have to cut that corner, be in the fairway. I think I could get a three wood there, but man, it's a very small target to hit a. You got to hit a three wood really high, really straight, and you're going to be over the green, so you're going to be chipping back down the hill. I'd probably do it just for giggles, but it's not the smart play. Gotcha. You know, for, for me, 11, you mentioned that it's an awkward layup. That's one where, for whatever reason, that just suits my eye because I can lay up to about 90 yards, which is a super comfortable distance, and then I can either I can hit a, my kind of stock sand wedge shot or I can pull a 7-iron, which I've done, 
and just bounce the thing up there. Like three out of the four times I've played it, it's been in the rain. I wanted no part of slinging a wedge in there and spinning it somewhere. So, you know, this is a fundamental disagreement John Mark and I have. Like, I think there's lots of ways to play Kearney Hill on a ground game, and I think there's lots of ways to play Tobacco Road on the ground. Due to, but it involves some funny angles and some maybe some unnecessary risk, you might say. Um, so in those par fives, yeah, I I, I just want to get to a number um, four. I think I can go for, good drive, try to go for it. Yes, but I may not be aiming for the green. Go for it for me, maybe aiming at that tree and hoping I can get a kick. You know, there's. Maybe that's not the best golf strategy. Hit it and hope I get a kick. But hit it up there, and instead of having to carry it all the way to the green, I can carry it 40 yards shorter uh, and let it, you know, maybe it trickles down onto the putting surface, um, which is, again, is a fun way to to play um, if you don't have the ability just to overpower the course. Um, you know, I, I know one criticism common to Tobacco Road is that it's not proper golf; that it's just roller coasters and, and playgrounds and things. Um, did the you know, we've been around it a couple times? Does the gimmick factor bother you guys? Because I don't think of it as gimmicky. I see, okay, they had a you know a crazy property, and they've they've made something unique there that involves. A lot of classic golf strategies in the if you look at the architecture i think it's pretty sound but those greens are you know pete die roller coasters kind of on steroids so uh fred i'll, I'll start with you that just the presentation of kind of that non-traditional golf is that something to be celebrated at tobacco road or is that a you can kind of get your fill of that pretty quickly i think the i think that it it fills a need Right. There's too many golf courses out there that are roughly the same and tobacco road is not the same. Um, tobacco road is unlike probably any other course I've played, you know, even down in the sand hills down in there, it is unique to itself. Um, and I think that there's a place for that. Um, if you don't, you know, I think everyone should go and play it once, uh, to see it and to, and to experience it. If you don't like it, you don't have to go back. I guess that's my point. Fair enough. Matt Cheney, same question. Um, I, it does not get old to me. It's I, I described it the first time I played it. like It's like playing on the moon, right? There's, like you said, there's nothing like that course. It's very different. And one of the things that I love, I realized today, actually, when I was, when I was thinking about this, number 12 is the only hole out of all 18 that I did not immediately – know exactly what it looked like and how I'd played it. And um, I think there's there's something fun about, you know, we've got nicknames for different different traps on the whole as if it's, you know, Carnoustie or St. Andrews or something. Um, and I think there's something to, there's certainly enough challenge that you could play that thing a million different ways, you know, a million different times. Um, and I think there's just, there's something to me about you know, it, it, I think it just shows that I must really enjoy it, that I can, you know, pretty much instantly pull up exactly what I've done on there, having only played it twice. John, Mark, I'll put the same question to you, but with a caveat on the backside of something you and I have talked about. Do you do you feel like the risk reward is in balance there at Tobacco Road? 
Yeah, so I, I I agree with what first off what both Fred and Matt said. I think if you're going down to Pinehurst and you're not, and you're doing the nine non Pinehurst proper uh, rotation, you should definitely do it once, right? I mean, it's a it's a spectacle, it's an event. You'll even if you play bad, you get a kick out of it, right? So I agree with that. And like Matt said, I mean, I, I think they did a great job routing it. There's all the holes are pretty different. But they all—they're all very unique, right? I mean, I've—I've I've only been there twice. I can remember if you—you know—I didn't think about it, but I can remember most of them. Somebody describes it like, "Oh yeah, I remember." Yeah, you know, fifteen. I remember Matt closed me out, thinking it was like third birdie of the back nine. Yeah, I remember that, right? So <laughs> it, it, it's stuff like that. Uh, I guess where my only thing, like, so before I answer your question, my only thing is—it's almost like the complete opposite of every other course down there. So if you're, you know, if you're going for the Pinehurst vibe or like, you know, the, the mid pines, the pine needles, the Pinehurst, some pines, it's, it's almost night and day different from those, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but I think it's just a little jarring when you start, you know, if you go from mid pines to tobacco road, it's totally different golf, right? Or it can be totally different golf. You can play it the same way, but you know, the, your strategy gets a little different when you, when you go from like the Pinehurst proper over to tobacco road, it's almost flipped completely opposite of sure. what it looks like, how you play it, that sort of thing. Uh, to your risk reward again, the more, or I'll say one more thing about it. I think I've played it twice now. I'm now ready to actually go play a round of golf there. Not necessarily knowing all the tricks, but kind of knowing where to aim. I think that's a big thing, right? Where to aim, where to take those risks. Don't be afraid to take the risk because to your other question, I, I think, you know, the four and five are great examples. You can play around it. It's really hard to play around those holes, right? I, I think you're especially four. You're the way the green kind of sits below the hill, so you'd be coming down it on your third shot versus even if I'm in the native area, as long as I have a decent lie, I'm pretty much level with the green. The green is long that way. It's narrow coming in for your third shot out of the fairway. I honestly think usually taking the risk, as long as you get an okay lie, is almost always the better option. Maybe not 11. 11 debatable, right? But again, it's a very, for me, it's very hard to hit those three consecutive shots and not end up back in the pit anyway. So I think that's what I've seen people. They either get way too far away from the native areas or they just end up back in the native area. Like you probably should have just went for it anyway. You had more fun. You probably would have shot the same score. See, 13 is that hole for me. Those vertical walls, I'm not a, a necessarily a high ball hitter or if I'm coming in, if I miss hit one, I'm going to thin it. And I've, I've lost a ball just getting plugged into those big grass walls. Um, on on multiple sides of that one you know the I, I get what you're saying and we're recording this the week after the players championship and one of pete Dye's philosophies when he got kind of when he got aggressive with his his courses later in his career the the layup was not the easy route it was the less risky route but it wasn't easy he he formed his courses so that there was even if there was plenty of room to land a ball he gave you something to look at some kind of visual intimidation and i think that's an element at tobacco road like there's the number of times going around there that I've, i've hit a shot that i've been worried about or i've aimed away from something because of how it looked or what i thought was there and then i get up there and i was like well there's tons of room up here what am i doing 
or the exact opposite. If there's, you know, if I played it safe to an area and you miss a little bit, yeah. To your point, John Mark, you're not better off. Uh, you're no better off than if you had just gone for it and missed and and paid a, a shot or half shot penalty um, with where you lie. Matt, I saw you shaking your head a little bit there. I agree almost with what you're saying. The problem that Tobacco Road presents, in my opinion, and I don't think you know it until you've done it a couple of times and had these experiences, is that sometimes the, the, the pain of it is just so much that you should have stayed away. Nine, the, the, that god darn bunker right of nine. Yes. You just, you can't get in it. You can't, you just, I don't care where you go, hit it on the 10 and then come back if you want. But there are things at Tobacco Road that at least, you know, for my game, I don't know about you guys, but for my game, if I, I just have to find a way to avoid it. And again, I don't think you know until you've accidentally gotten in it. John Mark's, John Mark's, uh, you know, pit of Zarlacc on 11 there. I avoid that like the plague because the first time we got into it we, was when we were playing the four man scramble and none of us could get out. Of it. <laughs> and we ended up, we ended up getting up and down for bogey from off of the driving range. That's how awful that hole ended up. And so, you know, and maybe that was just a particularly bad experience for that one because of where we were lying or something. But I think there are a couple of them. Most of the time I, I agree with you. I think, the the reward is is there, um, but I think there are a couple of sneaky spots on there that it's where it's not. You just you have to avoid it like the plague. Fred, I'm gonna throw this to you right after one. I, I interject one thing. An example of it, in the same way, it the course can go the other direction and reward you unexpectedly. And my example for that is number nine. Everyone from what you, you're way back on that hill on the tee, and you've got to hit up to that that blind punch ball green, and you can't, which you can't miss right. So everyone's aiming kind of in the middle of the fairway, or hoping they don't end up in that that kind of diagonal bunker front right of the fairway. My snap hook has showed up on that hole, and it turns out there's a big chunk of fairway around there to the left if you carry it 200 yards, and all of a sudden you're in line with the green so you you've got a little less obscured view you it's totally blind from the tee like i thought my ball was gone i hit a provisional i got up there and there's a, a 25 wide strip of fairway behind a dune that i didn't know was there and all of a sudden i've got the best angle to that green that i've ever had so you know they're the planet's safe but I, stuff like that is something i like it maybe it's kind of rub of the green that you don't know um, and you don't have control over. You don't think you have control over, um, and you would never aim there the first time around, even with the GP, you know, even with a GPS app. Uh, you want to be able to see your ball. So, Fred, I'll, I'll come back to you. You had a, a looked like lots of nods of agreement with kind of the the risk and reward being either in balance, but um, places where. Maybe Matt Matt dissuaded me that it, it's in balance that he'd never never go for, um, and like that bunker on nine that I know you've had some experience with. Yeah, um, I I think I'm not going to shock anybody on this call by saying that I am I am very risk averse. Um, I will I, I I try my darndest to stay away from where I'm not supposed to be. 
Um, and to your question, is you know, is the risk at reward? I don't want to say fair because you know, I'm not sure if that's the proper word to use in golf. But there are how I would answer that is there are no easy shots at Tobacco Road. I guess that's the best way for me to put it. Um, I don't care what you're where you're hitting it. If it's if it's off the tee, if it's you know a layup, if you're just you know hitting a pro shot, nothing's nothing is easy, right? There's 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 always a consequence for not hitting a good shot. Um, and I feel that that is a it is a good test of golf, um, but it can be overwhelming at times. Um, it can beat you up and spit you out. So I would say that that's probably the best way for me to answer it. You know, the, the layups are are there for, for you to take and, and, you know, when you need to and, and play those par fives, you know, three shot holes. But th- those layups are not straightforward and easy. You can't just walk up there, pull, pull your club and hit it without without really thinking about it. I'll I'll agree with that, especially as somebody that's had to, to lay up his way around that a couple of times. Um, I want you guys to thinking about maybe the worst. To John Mark's point, that it's a spectacle, that it it's something that should be experienced at least once if you're in the area. Um, you know, at some point the course is just going to jump up and get you, and it's going to be unfair. And if you go in with the right attitude of okay, what do I have to do next? Um, you know, if you're going there to try to post a number for your handicap, it won't work. My arch nemesis on that course is 16 green. I, I played it a couple of times last year, um, both times with a front pin position, and both times, the first time I was up on the top tier, I tried to get cute and put it sideways to the sides of the bowl, hoping that would take the speed off of my my death comet. No, it rolled, you know, seven, 70 yards back down to the fairway from that green. Um, last year I hit a, uh, I think I had to lay up, same front pin position, put one on the hill. It sh- I thought it would have just fed down nicely. No, it picked up speed, spun all the way back past my feet. Um, just couldn't get one to stick on that green. What is, um, Matt, I'll throw this to you. What, what's your arch nemesis there? Your white whale. We've already kind of talked about it. It's nine. Nine is... Nine is a par four. If you made it a par seven, not only am I over par, I think I'm multiple shots over par. Um, it, and part of that is with with that one, you know, that green, obviously the, the bunker by the green is one. Um, and for folks that haven't seen it, that's a big, it's a big punch pole, almost a taco, hard shell taco shaped green. Uh, that runs long. It's very, very narrow width and very deep. And like you said, everything visually w- tries to force you to the right, which, as it turns out, is absolutely not where you want to be. Um, and so the second time I overcorrected and put myself behind a tree left, had to punch out, like, I'm probably a little bit backwards, um, and just continued to make a mess of it because it's in my head. Um there's other ones that that can get me a little bit. Um, for whatever reason, I've, I've had a little bit more luck with the back than I have with the front. But um, yeah, nine is nine is the one. John Mark, what's the bugaboo for you there? The couple of times you've been around it. 
the two shot on 12. I just hit it left in the woods every time. <laughs> I'm with Matt. That's the one hole that I couldn't think of. As I, I walked my way around the first time we played it, I couldn't remember that. And that's a that's a the reversing of the shots hole, kind of an S shape where you need to hit a little little easy draw on the, the tee shot and a, a fade would serve you well going into that green. And I'll say 13 green, I've never hit it. I've never even gotten it close. That's that's the other one. The back nine just eats my lunch for some reason. Fred, what about you? What's the... Oh, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, I don't think there's much debate for me. It's uh, number four. Now, that The tee shot, the whole shot just does not suit my eye very well. I mean, we've already talked about it a couple of times. It's it's a longer hole. Um, it bends to the left, right there. That's two strikes against <laughs> yeah, me already. Right. <laughs> um, and then you know, I've I haven't hit a good drive there. I've I've tried to do too much with it and have had to lay up and punch out. Let's call it. That's not even a real proper layup. Uh, punch out, and then then I'm standing there, and I don't believe that it's that big of a carry. Um, you know, over all of that area to the green, um, like maybe a buck eighty, you know, buck ninety, maybe from from just past those trees on the on the left. But you're looking at all of that crap, and it just has never, it's never, never worked out well. You know, John I think Mark. we should. Uh, uh, I was gonna say, I think we should get a case of beer, maybe a, a fifth of whiskey. And let me pick Fred's lines, and we'll just watch him go around. Uh, we'll, 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 we'll test my thesis if, uh, if he should always take the risk. I'll just pick the club and point Fred in the right direction. We'll see how he scores. I'm in. I, I may give up the game. <laughs> Pickleball, here you come. Does the course want for a breath catcher? Like, I'm thinking my way around the routing. The only hole that's even remotely just straight is seven and that's a blind tee shot because you, you're so far back on the hill you can't see where your ball lands it, it's got us you know it's got slalom slopes down to the bottom um it's not that it's 18 all-star holes but to what you guys have already mentioned there's you have to think pretty much on every shot maybe the the par three tee shots a little bit less like number three but not really um, would it be better served with just a, you know, maybe one aside where the hole is, for lack of a better word, boring or straightforward? Or is it, it, it does the Carnival Amusement Park theme just, that's what it is, and just accept it and love it? You, uh, I'll go ahead. You know, I think that on the front nine, I want to I wanna say that seven is that get your breath kind of hole. But I've Not played it green. so <laughs> I've played it so poorly that I I mean I don't even I, I can't say that. I mean the fairway is I mean enormous. It's so it's so wide, it's downhill. There's a couple of plateaus in there that you should have a nice even lie. The green is all laid out in front of you. Um it's it's you know it's bisected by that ridge, right? You know, you have the front portion and the the back right portion, but it's a huge green. Um, I, I want to think that you know that is the that's the breath that they're giving you before you have the par three and then you finish on mats number nine there. But I've just never played it well enough to 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 get that breath. So I think that 
I think that it's there. I just haven't played it played it right. Well, that, that's that's very generous that you're not docking the course points because you individually didn't play it well. John Mark, what do you think? Carnival ride all the way? I think, again, once you get used to it, I think two is pretty straightforward, right? As long as you don't hit it on a silly mound or you do like I do and play off the 11 tee box, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's pretty wide to the left. It's you know Once you say, okay, there's plenty of room, I should just aim at those trees on the left side. And then the green's pretty flat. You can run it in there. I think that two and three, I mean, again, three is surrounded by sand, but it's pretty short. Uh, it's it's wide enough, I think. Um, you know, I think those seven definitely the tee shot, and uh, depending on where the pin is. So, I think they're there once you learn the course. Um, the back, I, I think the back the back is probably a little, little more I don't know, a truer test of golf or whatever you want to call it. Right? It's a it's a little bit more normal, except for maybe the last couple sixteen and seventeen. So, I think they're there once you learn it. Cheney. Put me on the tilt a whirl and spin me till I puke. I I don't I don't need to take a breath. I I love the fact that every single hole is unique and has its own you know characteristics that I can remember. Um, and like you said, even even the ones that that are the closest to that seven being an example, there's there's plenty to get you in trouble. So no, I I like it. I would uh, I would not put a a quote-unquote boring hole in the middle of any of it. I don't think you need it. You know, that, that's my course. It's the the test case for uh, what's the better challenge or or what's the harder shot, blind tee shot, blind approach shot. You get a couple of both if you accept that the – you may not have a true blind approach. Uh, you've got a couple of the punch bowl greens, but they've got those tall flags. Um you, you may not, but you're not going to have a view of the putting surface on a lot of those holes. So if you're used to just kind of gripping, ripping, and, and aiming right at the flag, um, good luck to you. Because I, I don't know that that's the way that you, you really score well on that. Um, and with that, I'll kind of open it up for, for closing thoughts. If there's anything you guys would want to mention, um, you know, it's a I think it's a course that suits the ground game. Now, we've all been to Scotland, and it is not. The ground game there doesn't really resemble um, what was available at a place maybe like Ely or the old course. Um, probably first impression, probably more on the Carnoustie scale, uh, where you're, you're, there's just so much to look at that is bad. You know, whereas again, it doesn't really give you a big breath uh, on kind of the easier holes. There's still holes that you're you're going to have a, a maybe a blind or semi-blind. We may not know where the the green is. Uh, while you're standing on the tee box, which can be an uncomfortable feeling. Do I go right, left? Um, you know, Matt, you mentioned like it's it's like playing on the moon. Um, have you, is there any place else you guys have played that kind of have all of that contour on the ground and, and have any vertical hazards like that, be it trees or slopes or just rumples? Anything, that, anything like it that people could use as a point of reference? Nothing, nothing that I've played is exactly. I mean, not, there's nothing like it. Now, speaking to courses we played, the Castle Course at St Andrews had some of this, yeah. right? There was, some, you know, some greens where I heard uh, circus music playing every time I tried to hit it up there. But six, um, yeah, yeah, that would be the one. Uh, so I mean that's that's probably the latest that I've played that that has that kind of feel to it. Um, 
I I can't I can't find anything stateside that compares in my opinion. John Mark. Yeah, it's gonna it's probably it's probably a a good testament to Prestwick, which you guys didn't play. But I well, I walked off there and I said the same thing that Matt just said. It's like playing golf on the moon because it's so different. So if you like impossible blind shots and lots of mounding with weird grass all over, it's your place. <laughs> <laughs> Ring an endorsement, except Tobacco Road doesn't have a big body bo- water next to it. Fred? No, I, I have to agree. I, I don't think I have a, a, a comparison to bring up. Uh, it's it's very unique. You know, we've played – it's it's an old sand quarry, and we've played Bay Harbor. You know, we've played the quarry course there, which has, you know, big extracted man-made formations. But, you know, the fact that people used to take rock out of the ground there is the only similarity. You know, that that's a, a flatter kind of more traditional golf course. I think it's the vertical movement for me, the, the vertical visuals that really set Tobacco Road apart. Um, for me, it's my favorite American golf course. It's 1A and 1B with mid-pines, which obviously couldn't be uh, less like it except that I think they have they probably share some kindred strategies once you get past all of the eye candy Um, but anybody else you guys got any other final closing thoughts on Tobacco Road Fred I'll let you go first Um, I really do enjoy um, 18 I know that you know the, the tee shots a little Unique. I, I use that word a lot, but um, I could sit up there and really enjoy watching folks uh, hit balls into 18 and have some have some drinks with the boys and and uh, and watch how that how that plays out for other folks. Um, I find that hole to be very enjoyable. It's not it's not one that I would you know maybe some folks would say oh yeah this. This hole is, you know, going to be one of Fred's favorites because it's, it's not. It doesn't really suit me, but I think it, it suits the atmosphere and it suits. It, it's a, it's a very good closing hole for that course. It has, it has the whole entire course wrapped up into one hole, in my opinion. Um, so I really, really enjoy, you know, finishing on that hole there. Matt, Matt Cheney. I guess what I my closing thought would be when we talked about Dormy Club, we talked about man, it was an incredibly comfortable course, and I ended up somehow shooting a ninety something. I go out at Tobacco Road, I shoot the exact same score, and I wasn't comfortable once. Um, and that's that's kind of the takeaway is I find again with it the the visual intimidation, um, the the greens, the everything about it. It just I I'm never particularly comfortable with any shot that I'm hitting there, and yet I enjoy it thoroughly. That is some endorsement. John Mark? Uh, I really like the par threes. I, I may be the only person in the world that actually may. It's probably one of my favorite set of par threes on any golf course. Well, let's, let's talk about those, because we didn't mention those a lot. Number number three is a reverse Biritz. Right, because it's got a it's got a low front and a low back and a big mound to the side in between that you can that divides that into, I guess thirds. Um, are, are you going right at the distance, or have, are you aiming for the middle and, and letting it feed? I don't think you can bounce it out of the middle. I think you got to take it 
as a segment and try to play to the segment. But the the Baritz part is not that deep, right? I mean, you can certainly putt out of it without too much trouble. The interesting thing is it's basically a, a sand island, right? Everything around it is sand, so yes. that's pretty unique as well. And then number eight, another par three. Or well, I guess number six is the next par three, and that's the one that's crazy. That that you've got there's more square footage of tee than there is of green, and they're both. They, you look at them, and they they look like they're about twenty feet deep, both of them. And you've got this massive. You've got it. It's a forced carry par three with a wedge, but you're only. It's all native sand. It's all waste area. It's the craziest looking thing. Um, I don't know, Fred. You had a rough experience there, John Mark. Is that what? Is that one of the ones that's on the favorites list? Or um, I, I, I like the narrow greens just because you, they have two of them, right? Seventeen yes. is the other one. You just never see those. So that's uh, you know, if, if you're if you're like me, you're good with your distance control, but it, it might go left or it might go really left. It's a good hole for you because you can still hit the green. But, yeah, I think they're both uh, kind of disaster short and long. So it's a, it's a, it's a different – it's a unique experience. Yeah, they're all, love, width, all width and no depth. Yeah, I love six, and I have no earthly idea why. I, it, it doesn't play – it doesn't play to my game. I shouldn't like it. I love that hole. I find that hole to be incredibly fun. I think, I think the fact that it's considerably shorter than usual – is is endearing um you know a lot of these courses with you know all this land and all this hulking you know visuals to drop in i'm pretty sure the last time we played it it was about a buck oh eight right um which you just gap wedge pitching wedge Yeah. yeah so i love six fred those first two uh any positive thoughts? <laughs> oh no, I, I I hate six with a passion. <laughs> Which for a man with your short game, that that that's quite the statement. Um, eight is the one I really enjoy the challenge of. It's kind of a kind of an upside down L with a huge front slope. Uh, I guess from the very front of the L up. Um, and around some sand and some native area that you can, if depending on where the pin is, you can kind of, there are different bowls on that green with a high point kind of at the, the intersection that I think is a pretty unique challenge. You can really feed the ball. You don't have to go right at the pin. Um, if it's if it's in one of two spots, your ball is going to end up there regardless. And if it, the if you get a bad pin position, then um, you're hanging on, I think, to make a par. But to your point, Matt, all those on the front, you, you never hit the same club into the par threes. It's a different different challenge. Um, John Mark, any strong thoughts on eight? Uh, I was going to say it's, it's interesting. It's a little bit of a, a continuity hole, right? It's, it's basically – it's not the same green, but it's a very similar green from seven. And then it's got that god-awful – I don't even know what you call it, bunker thing from nine on the right side. So right. it's kind of interesting merging of those two holes in a in the par three. So yeah, I, I think that's a good one too. Uh, the pin placement, you know, you just kind of if it's down low, that's pretty easy. If it's up top, you just kind of you almost have to hit out backwards if you're in on the in the bunker on the right down to the flat and then try to put up the hill. So it gives you lots of options. None of them are really good. <laughs> that's true um, trying to think on the back you've got the one over water 
Um, Which is – that may be the most standard hole at Tobacco Road. You've got an elevated tee over water with a short iron, maybe a pitching wedge if you're up front, depending on the wind and the tee. Um, but a, a as close as that course does to a traditional one-shotter, I think. Um, and then 17 is – Again, it's one of those crazy ribbon wide or ribbon deep, but super wide over just a sea of things. All you can see and think about is where I don't want to hit the ball. Um, but if you're good with your distance control, like John Mark says, um, then you can pick up a shot there pretty easily. Matt, I see some some nodding, some agreement there. Yeah, again, this is similar to six. I shouldn't like this. This does not play to my game at all. Um, and you know maybe I've gotten lucky or something, but um, I've I've found more luck on those holes than I have on eight. I've played eight terribly for whatever reason. Um, I've not played three particularly well. Um, so again, I I'm not entirely sure why, but you know so I I got a lot of good feelings on seventeen. I'm good with seventeen. Fred, you still have a frowny face. Tell me the back is the back. The par threes on the back are are more your liking. Uh, they are. I like okay. them. <laughs> Frowny face is just typical. Okay, just screwed. The one la- last thing I'll I'll ask John Mark and get you guys out of here. Um, you were a guinea pig in the truest sense in our most recent visit, in that you tried the golf cycle um, around Tobacco Road. I walked, and I think it is. There is one bad walk on Tobacco Road, and that's from 14 Green to 15 T. There you take that road up through kind of some some woods and whatnot. And if you're on foot, you got to hustle to keep up with your group there. But other than that, it, it's you wouldn't know it to look at it, but it's actually a really easy walk. The the Green to T stuff um, on foot instead of going back to the cart path makes it a pretty efficient stroll. How was your cycle experience? Um, the two things that would have made it better if it wasn't raining or sprinkler, <laughs> whatever you will call it. It needed a couple more cup holders, but I think they frown upon you drinking while you're riding it. But, uh, uh, it's interesting. I mean, it's especially at a place like that, right? It's just, you're at the carnival, you know, pay a couple extra bucks for, you know, to, to ride through the fun house in the, the house of mirrors or whatever you want to call it. Uh, I didn't think it was super comfortable the way the bag sits in between your legs, uh, so I think Jared had more fun on it than I did. I mean, I, I don't know if I would do it again, but it was, you know, out of the experience. I, I guess try it once. You might like it. The visual of you riding up to four green, five T, holding the umbrella like Mary Poppins with just a look <laughs> of complete disbelief and agony is one of that's one of those golf trip memories that I that that's the last thing I'm going to see and, and just smile because <laughs> Thank you for giving us that. That was your gift to us, truly. Anytime you guys want to see me miserable, just let me know. <laughs> it, it really was priceless. I mean, <laughs> there's no other word for it. I mean, the look on your face. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> I first visited Tobacco Road in 2018, before I'd even gotten home from that trip, I decided that I would try as hard as I could to make a return pilgrimage every year that I don't go overseas for a golf trip. I'm one for one on that promise, hoping to make it two for two 
at a date to be determined in 2021. You know, I've read criticisms of Tobacco Road that it isn't real golf or that it's too contrived, too gimmicky, that the, the course is too big, it's too brown, the greens are too big and unfair with too much roll and pitch and slope. I just can't see those criticisms. I don't understand them. The golf course is what it is. The object of the game is still to try to get the ball in the hole in as few strokes possible. You know, I, I wonder if the people that have those criticisms, and I bet they are, are the same people that hold Augusta National up as the standard of what a golf course could be. And I wonder if they're aware of the scale of the vertical movement of those fairways at Berkman's Place, or how wildly undulating and sloping those greens are that they've enjoyed watching their entire lives. No, I'm not saying that Tobacco Road is like Augusta National, but I would contend that it's similarly one of a kind. I think Tobacco Road is one of those courses that everyone ought to experience at least once. And for no other reason to see and experience the outer limits of what pushing the envelope on what a golf course can be and what real imagination and artistry can produce in golf course architecture. If you're lucky, you might go around a second or third time and you'll start to smile when you see the strategies of the individual holes begin to reveal themselves to you. And you'll laugh as you watch your opponent have to put 90 degrees or more away from the hole just to lag it down there kind of close. It's a special place, it's a fun place, and I hope as this episode conveys, it creates an awful lot of special golf memories. Hey, thanks for stopping by for this episode of the Blind Shots Podcast. Head over to Apple Podcasts on iTunes and leave a rating and a review for the show. Each time someone leaves a five-star review for this work of high-class podcast art, our friend Fred picks up one mile per hour swing speed on his driver, and Lord, he needs it. Hope you enjoyed what you heard here today. If you didn't like what you heard, sorry. I can't do anything about that now, but I promise I'll try to do better next time. And I hope you will join me here next time on the Blind Shots podcast. But most importantly, I hope that you're being safe and smart and sane out there. I'm one shot into my vaccination, and I hope you've already completed yours or plan to do so soon. It's golf season. So stick with your practice routine, do decide to go for it, and take dead aim. <laughs> That's how Matt still comes up in my phone is Matt Cheney, assistant T-ball coach. <laughs> recording yet maybe why because i'm not gonna say anything because i might be the only person on the planet that listens to the very end of the podcast and i'm always on there oh, saying no, that's, something dumb that's, <laughs> well that's why that's why we all listen fred that's yeah, the whole point i mean i i hang on till the bitter bitter end just in case dave snuck a second one in there <laughs>